Our world, our culture, our day is marked with chaos, with uncertainty, with fear and trouble. We are living in upside down days. That's the best I could come up for the days we're living in. They really are upside down days. And you can be sure today people are suffering for it. Today with all the advancements that we have, with all the knowledge that we have available, with all the comforts that are available to us, people look like they're doing well. If you watch them, it looks like they're doing well. They have all the trappings of success, and yet they are hurting, I believe, more than any time in recent history. We are living in days when Satan is feasting on our destruction. Today you look around and literally today, right is called wrong. Uh, we see that all the time. And wrong is celebrated as right. Well, here's the question tonight. How did this happen? How did this happen? How did it get to this point? To this point? How did it, how did it get there? How is it accelerating now? with such force. And I think about that, things that are, are, are just unimaginable just a few years ago are normal now, and it is, it is accelerating with great force. How did we get to this place? Well, I'll just tell you the answer tonight. Friend, it was in the crafty scheme of Satan. And so where we're at, it's not by chance. Where we're at, we didn't just slide down here to this. It was in actually the crafty scheme of Satan. And I'll tell you tonight, the breakdown of our culture in this crafty scheme is tied to the breakdown of the home today. And then I'll tell you the breakdown of the home today is tied to the breakdown of the institution of marriage today. And the breakdown of the institution of marriage today is tied to the abandonment of the Word of God as the source of direction in life. And so you wonder how Satan pulled this off? He got us to abandon the Bible as our guide in life. With that came the destruction of marriage. After that came the destruction of the home. And I believe coming after that is the collapse of the culture. Satan knew that, and Satan knows that still. And so I'll just tell you tonight, he has laid waste to our homes by attacking the biblical truth of marriage. Now we say this, we give lip service to this. It is the actual truth. Satan today has laid waste to our homes by attacking the biblical truth of marriage. Let me say this. And sadly, for the most part, the church has been silent. And maybe they said something and maybe they, they had a little bit to say, but for the most part, as this has happened in the last couple of decades, the church has largely been silent. And now our world is paying. Well, tonight, Peter takes on the subject of marriage. Tonight, he instructs wives in how to live excellently in your marriage, in the view of the world. Now, the world is watching, and so tonight... He takes on the subject of marriage. He's going to instruct wives tonight how to live excellently while the world is watching. Tonight our sermon is entitled, Marriage Matters, Part 1. Marriage Matters, Part 1. We're going to get to the men tomorrow night. Uh, we start with the wives tonight. Now, 
Think about this. Who should listen to this, to this message? And you think, well, it's about wives. Maybe wives should listen to this. Here's who should listen to this sermon tonight. To a, any woman who is married, who was married, who might be married, or who knows someone who's married. That's who should listen. And there's some more. Any man who is married, who was married, who might be married, or who knows somebody who is married. Listen, all of us need to know this truth. We need to know it to teach it to our grandkids. We need to know it to stand on it ourselves. We need to know it to push it to a new generation. Every person, young and old, should hear this message tonight. Marriage Matters, part one. Tonight we're in 1 Peter chapter 3, moving to the third chapter. Tonight, verses 1 through 6. I had hopes of going further than this. This is all we're going to get. 1 Peter chapter 3, tonight, verses 1 through 6. Marriage Matters. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. God's Word says this. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now, we, we come eagerly to hear your word. We come eagerly to hear your truth. And we see the hurt that is caused in this area. We see the destruction of the home. And Lord, so we want to come and know what you say. We want to know what uh, you tell us our answer is. And so we come and I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us tonight. I pray that it would be your word, not the, the crafting of a person, but it would be your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would take it to heart. I pray we would be instructed by it, that I, I pray it would bear fruit in our culture, in our church, in our lives, and in our hearts. And Lord, I pray in a sermon on marriage, if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus, that yes, tonight, in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they might turn to you and be saved. Lord, we tell you tonight, we do love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you. We exalt you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In our study, Peter has been calling us to live in a way that honors God and to live in a way that points to Christ. Really, that's the call to stand we're living in a world that's opposed to Jesus Christ, a lost world. Well, he tells us we are to live in a way that honors God, and we are to live in a way that points to Christ. Now, the last few days, we have seen God in his grace and God in his love 
instructs us how to live in a lost culture. Now, he's not bringing us some burden and putting it on us. He actually loves us. He's actually gracious to us. And so he says, this is the best way to live. And he instructs us in how to live in a lost world. Well, be sure tonight, the way we live in a lost culture is not to take cues from the lost culture. Now, here we go. I want you to hear that. Do you understand that? The way that we live in a lost culture is not to take cues from the lost culture. And that's going to be no more evident than our study tonight on marriage. We're going to see that in our study tonight on marriage. I want you to be sure of this. You know it. Our world today holds lots of opinions about marriage. You can go and you can hear 10 of them just leaving this building. Our world today holds lots of opinions about marriage. Our world today has lots of ideas about marriage. And you can hear all sorts of ideas about marriage. Our world today, listen to me, speaks authoritatively about marriage. Our world claims to be experts in marriage. And the world says, this is what a marriage is. This is how you define a marriage. This is how you operate in a marriage. This is how a marriage would be successful. Our world speaks authoritatively as experts about the subject of marriage. But I want you to be very sure tonight. The truth of marriage can only come from the creator of marriage, and that is God himself. And we need to drive that stake down. We need to be sure of that. The truth of marriage can only come from the creator of marriage, and that is God himself. Let me tell you something up front tonight. Tonight, our message will be an offense to the world. It seems like we've had a lot of these lately. But this message is going to be offensive to the world. This message tonight will be hated by the world. If they hear this message, they're not going to appreciate it. They're going to hate this message. And I'll just tell you, perhaps most sad of all is even by some in the church, this message will be hated. But I want to tell you the truth remains. It is in God's grace that he teaches us. It is in God's love that he instructs us. And so before we start tonight, you can be confident of this. This is the best way to live. You know what? I don't need an expert from the world. I don't need to go out and poll anybody. This, the word of God, his directing, we can be confident it is the best way to live. All right, let's go to our verses. Starting in chapter 3, verse 1. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. I want to read that verse again. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. All right, the verse addresses wives. It starts off and it says, in the same way, in the same way. God instructed the slaves, this is where we last looked at last night, that had become Christians. They were slaves, they accepted Christ. 
He tells them how to live now as Christian slaves. Well, now he turns and he instructs wives. In the same way they were instructed, now we're going to address wives. Here's what he says to the wives. Be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word. Now what that means is they do not follow the directing of God. They do not follow the directing, the command of God's word. Ultimately, it means this. They are lost. They're not led by Christ. They're not led by the word of Christ. Ultimately, it means this. They are lost. It says that they might be one without a word by the behavior of their wives. Okay, here's the first piece. First up is this. See this. Wives... Your goal, like all believers, is to live in a way, earlier he said excellently, to live in a way that points to Jesus. Wives, your goal is to live in a way that points to Jesus, to live in a way that would lead a lost husband, even a lost husband, to faith in Jesus Christ. Now get this, the goal here, if you read this, the goal here is a Christian marriage. She has heard the gospel. She's responded in faith. Some of these guys have not. They are lost. And the goal here is a Christian marriage. That is the same today. Our goal in marriage is a Christian marriage, that there will be a saved wife following Christ. There will be a saved husband following Jesus Christ. And then in marriage, they will be honoring and following Jesus Christ together. That's what a Christian marriage is. You know what? She submitted to Christ. He submitted to Christ. And they are walking under the headship of Christ, worshiping him together. That is our goal. A Christian, Christ-centered marriage. Satan can't stand that. Satan can't go for that. Satan wants to disrupt that. Maybe he'll disrupt one. And maybe he'll disrupt the other. Maybe he'll try to get both of them. But Satan cannot stand a Christian, Christ-centered marriage. Well, here's the deal. The behavior that leads this to happen, the Bible says, is for the wife to be submissive to her husband. Now, I can hear you thinking, uh-oh, uh-oh. Now, I'll just tell you, I know this is a hotbed subject. And I'll just tell you, honestly, I know it is an unpopular subject. And I know there's some that rail against this subject. Some say this subject has been, has been twisted around. I know it is a hotbed subject. Let me tell you something else. I also know it is a misunderstood subject. And I'll tell you more than that. I know it is a needed subject. Be clear tonight this is one of the areas where Satan gets in and he messes up God's plan in marriage. This is one of the ways that he gets in and maybe it's emotionally charged and he gets in and he messes up the biblical understanding of marriage. As he does, he wrecks havoc in our homes. This is one of the places where he gets in. Now, Satan wants us to do two things with this subject. He wants us to do two things. He's, he's crafty. He would like for us to do two things with this subject of submission. The first thing is he would like us 
to ignore it. He would like us to ignore it. Because it is controversial, because it is misunderstood, just ignore it. It's not worth ruffling all the feathers. It's not worth getting into that. We're doing all right without it. There's plenty of other verses you could preach on. Just ignore it. Listen, many do. Many are. How many sermons have you heard on this subject? Satan loves that. It is vitally important. Just ignore it. That's one of the things he wants. Second thing he wants us to do, and this is, this is probably worse, but the second thing he wants us to do is to abuse it. He wants us to abuse it. He wants us to twist it, and he wants us to turn it, and he wants us to use it to hurt people, to hurt women, and to cause division in God's created order. He wants us to abuse this subject. Well, listen, be sure tonight, the answer for both of those to ignore it or to abuse it is to address it in truth. And that's, that's the matter of the fact. The best answer is to address it. Let's address it in biblical truth. So here we go tonight. Submission. Submission. Here's what it means. Here's what it translates. To voluntarily, listen to that, to voluntarily place yourself under. That's the most literal translation. To voluntarily, it's not forced, place yourself under, to submit to, to submit to. Now listen, if there is a general in the army, the major submits to their lead. It is an organizational ordering. That's what that is. There is a general and the major submits to their lead. Now I want you to think about our example. Our example is Jesus. That's the example that we walk in. That's the example we follow. Jesus. Now I want you to think about this in our example. He is God. In the beginning was the Word. He is God. He is the Creator. All things are created through Him. He is equal with the Father. Yes. And watch this. He voluntarily submits to the lead of the Father. Does that make Him less than God? Does that make Him somehow diminished? No. He is fully God. Remember, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, if there's any way for this cup to move, if I don't have to drink this cup, if there's any way, but what does he say? But not my will be done, but thine. He submits. Our example is Jesus. Jesus submits to God the Father. Well, understand, in the marriage relationship, God gives the leadership role to the husband. Now, that husband, we're going to talk about it tomorrow night, he is to submit to Christ. He's under the headship of Christ. He is to seek the wisdom of God, and he is to lead his marriage. That's what he's supposed to do. He is to lead his home. Let me tell you something. I believe the greatest failing in marriages today aren't women failing to submit. I believe it's men failing to lead. Now, I'll just tell you, that's, that's, I think that's the truth. I think there's, there's men and they don't want to lead. They don't know how to lead. They, they've given up that responsibility. Maybe they've disappeared all the way. And I believe the biggest failing of marriage today is not that women won't submit. We're going to talk about that. It's that men won't lead. Well, in God's created order, listen, this is God's wisdom, there is to be a leader in the home. 
And that leader in God's wisdom and God's created order is the husband. Then, in obedience to God's plan, the woman, the wife, is to submit and to follow the lead of her husband. Now, I told you Satan wants us to ignore that. Just, just overlook that. But here's, here's something else. He also wants to abuse that. And I'll, I'll tell you, it is frequently abused, terribly that is often the case. Well, to help remedy that, I want you to hear me. If you're, if you're not listening, listen up right now. I want you to hear, and I want you to be sure, and I want you to understand. Submission does not mean less than. Submission does not mean less than. Women are not less than men. Did you hear what I just said? Women are not less than men. Any religion that says that is not of God. Jesus is not less than the Father, and he submitted. Women are not less than men. First thing. Second thing is this. Submission does not mean inequality. That's not what it means. Jesus is fully God. It does not mean in any way that the man is superior to the woman. Any religion that teaches that, listen, that's not of God. It is a lie. Submission does not mean inequality before God. Second thing is this. Third thing is this. Submission does not mean doormat. Submission does not mean doormat. It doesn't relegate the wife or the status of a doormat. Anything close to that is not of our Savior. It is of Satan. Here's another one. Submission doesn't mean voiceless, and it doesn't mean mindless. There was an age in the church, hopefully it's gone by, it probably hasn't, when they said women can't think, women can't understand Scripture, women can't be trusted, women fall into sin easier than men. That's not what this means. It does not mean mindless. It does not mean voiceless. Women as equal partners in marriage, they are to think and they are to plan and they are to pray and they are to discuss and submission does not mean that they are mindless and it does not mean they are voiceless. Be sure of this. They're getting bigger. Be sure of this. Submission does not mean led or forced to sin. It does not mean that you're led, you have to go to sin, that you're forced to sin. In no way is any person to follow another person into sin. Our allegiance is to Christ. Our directing is the word of God. Submission does not mean led or forced to sin. And then I want you to get this. Get this, hear this, be sure of this. Submission does not mean being subject to abuse. Submission does not mean being subject to abuse. Not emotional, not sexual, not physical, not of any kind. I heard a sermon lately, and I'm going to tell you the, the name of the guy to, that preached it just so you can watch out for him. His name's John Piper, very popular. Here's what he said We disagree on a lot of things this month. <laughs> Here's what he said. He says, if a husband strikes a wife, this is what he said, you can go Google it. If a husband strikes a wife and she is in no bigger danger, that's what he said. 
If he strikes his wife and she's in no bigger danger, she should endure patiently to mourning and take it to the pastor of the church. And that's where her remedy is. That's what he said. Now, I heard that. I didn't believe it. I saw it. I didn't believe it, so I went and watched it. And I heard that. And let me tell you something. <laughs> I've got a daughter. I've got a daughter. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I'll, st- I'll go back this way. Yeah, you bring it to this pastor. Okay, I'm going back this way. Be sure of this. Listen to me. Abuse, the affliction of pain or suffering of any kind, is evil, is of Satan, it is wrong, it is a sin, and you listen to me, God hates it. And I want to tell you, and you hear it right here, your remedy is found in the Lord, yes, but it is found away from the perpetrator of evil. This is not a license to abuse. Sadly, it's been used as that. All right, back to our verses. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Verse 2 is they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Interesting verse. Chaste means pure. Means this, the wife is a follower of God's word. She is walking under the headship of Jesus Christ. She is walking with Christ. She is submitted to the word of God. And here's what it says. It is observable. When you see this wife, it is observable. She is following Christ. She is obedient to Christ. It really means morally good. Her moral goodness reflects her walk with Jesus Christ. Here's the next thing. It says, as he observes her respectful behavior. Now, this is awesome. I think it's interesting. In Ephesians, it says wives are to respect their husbands. That's not what this is talking about. This is to revere, to honor, and it's referring not to the husband. It's referring to God. And so this respectful behavior has nothing to do with the, with the man, has nothing to do with the husband. This respectful behavior is a life that is lived in honor of God, a life that is lived in consideration of God, a life that is lived in the reverence and the awe of God. And so very simply, here's this wife, and her view of God impacts the steps of her life, and now this husband is going to see and how she treats him, how she honors and obeys God's word, how she lives daily in the manner of her life to honor Jesus, and as he sees that, he's going to be shown what faith in Jesus looks like. That's the verse. All right, moving on, verse 3. I'm going to read verse 3 and 4 together. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold, jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Adornment, your adornment. (laughs) Adornment most literally translates decoration. Now, I thought about that. That's a, that's a weird thing that people do. They decorate themselves. That's what it means. Men do it too. We decorate ourselves. We put things on. We comb our hair a certain way. We put on jewelry. How you decorate yourself. Now, I want you to say this. Adornment, it doesn't say 
that God is against it. Now, there's some that take this verse, and you, and you maybe know some of those folks, and say, women should wear this, and women ought to wear these things. They ought not wear makeup and these things, and that the Bible is against it. It's not against it. That's not what it's saying. But it's saying the focus, the true focus, is not on the braiding of hair, the wearing of jewelry, or fancy clothes. The true focus is on the heart. Notice it says the adornment is the hidden person of the heart. Now, the adornment is what is seen. Now, the the hidden person of the heart is what is on the inside. And so what is on the inside is about to be observed and adorned the outside. It says the imperishable quality. Here's the thing. All of the adornments on the outside will pass away. And we, man, we spend a lot of money. We spend a lot of time. There's whole industries on the adornment of the outside. Those things will all fade away. The reality, don't get mad at me. The reality is this. Your earrings are going to go out of style. Your dresses are going to get old. Your eyelashes, if they're fake, are going to fall off. <laughs> that's, just, that's just how it goes. But here's what will not. The inner quality of the heart. And it says here, a gentle and quiet, quiet spirit. Now, I want you to be sure to understand this. This has been misapplied as well. This doesn't mean that wives can't be vivacious, can't be loud, can't be laughing. It doesn't say that. I know some say, well, you got to be quiet. You need to be, you need to be respectful in how you talk, and you got to be quiet, and they're forced into that mold. It doesn't mean that they can't be those things. It's not talking about their outward voice. It's talking about, notice it says spirit. It's talking about their inner spirit. And so, yes, they can be bold. Yes, they can laugh. Yes, but, but their inner spirit, here's what it says, is gentle and quiet. So the inner spirit doesn't do much talking. It may provoke talking, but the inner spirit doesn't do much talking. So what does it mean to have a gentle, quiet inner spirit? It means this, and this is, this is the best I can explain it. It is a spirit that's not abrasive, that doesn't stir up strife, cause strife. It doesn't, it's not disruptive. It's not antagonistic. Wives, here's what this means. You are not to be a ball of boiling trouble. And you're mad and you're mad and you're dissatisfied and oh, I'm so dissatisfied and and you stir up trouble and you blow into conflict and let me tell you where you're wrong and let me tell you what I'm upset about and you can't get around them and there's not antagonism going on. Years ago, there was a guy and they don't live here anymore, and they didn't even go to this church. Uh, but they, but they, they came to see me, a couple. And the guy had a problem with alcohol. And they came in, and I remember they, they made an appointment. They came in, and she came in. She's upset and mad and hurt. And he came in. He's embarrassed, and he's embarrassed. He's even there. He's looking down at his shoes. And they came in. The two of them came in. They sat down. And he, he was, I don't know, he was going to start to say something. And she said, he's got a drinking problem. Tell him about your drinking problem. 
And then he started, he, he's no good, he's no good. Tell him how you're no good. And then he started, he start, and she said, he doesn't do anything right. And she gives three or four things that he always does wrong. Tell him how you don't ever do anything right. And I started to talk, and she cut me off and said, he doesn't listen. Tell him how he doesn't listen. She cut me off. Guess what that guy had? He had a problem, yes. <laughs> and he was answering in the wrong way. His problem was his wife did not have a gentle and quiet spirit. And I don't, I don't know, he sat there, he looked at his shoes, he was embarrassed, he was there. We couldn't make a resolution because she was so antagonistic. The Bible says this, a sweet spirit. That's what it means. A, a, a kind spirit. Here's what the Bible says. This is precious in the sight of God. That's what the Bible says. Now that means a couple things. And I want to I tell you what that means. This spirit that is quiet and gentle and sweet, is, is precious in the sight of God. And the first thing that means is this, God sees it and God knows it. And I want to tell you something right here. That's an awesome thing. Listen to me. God is for you. God loves you, wives. God loves you, husbands. Marriages, God is all for marriage. And it's not some heavy burden that he's putting on you. Marriage is to be great and it's to be a, a blessing and it's to point the world to Christ and it's to point each other closer to Christ and it's to be better together than it is apart and it's to be a joy. And man, we mess that up. Christ sees you. He's for you. He loves you. He has the best for you. And then it says, it is precious in his sight. It means it is highly valued. That's what that translates. It is highly, that spirit in her is highly treasured, highly valued in the sight of God. Wives, God highly values your sweet, gentle spirit shown toward your husband. Let me add this, even if your husband doesn't. Even if your husband doesn't. God himself does. Gives us an example in verse 5. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. They used to do that, being submissive to their own husbands. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God, trusted in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Verse 6 just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And if you've become, and you've become her children, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. What an awesome verse, verse six is. Let me explain it. Now, first thing notice, Abraham is not the Lord. Notice it's a lowercase l there. He's not the Lord. The, the word Lord here means the leader. And so she calls him the leader. She submits to him as the leader. Sarah acknowledged him as the leader of the home. Now, was Abraham always right? No. <laughs> Embarrassingly so. Did he make some dumb mistakes? Some of them, I don't know how she got over. Yes, he made some dumb mistakes. But God ordained him as the leader of that house. And that was his plan. And so Sarah acknowledged him as leader. Now, I want you to look at one word here. It says this. She obeyed 
him. I want you to see this. She honored him, yes. She respected him, yes. She had a good attitude, yes. She didn't rail against him and cause division, yes. But that's not what that word means. That's not what it's talking about. It says this. She obeyed him. Now, what does that mean? It means she followed his lead. Submission ultimately comes down to following the leader. That's what it is. Submission ultimately comes down to following the leader. The last part of this is tremendous. I'm going to do my best to, to make us see this. It says, if you follow that example, if you do what she did, if you do what the ladies of old did, if you do what she did, do what is right. It says, without being frightened by any fear. Without being frightened. I think this is the most important thing, and I think it's the point of this whole message. Without being frightened by any fear. Now, what is that? Wives, listen to me tonight. It means this. If you submit to God, and if you listen to God, and so in faith and trust, you follow God's leading by following your husband's leadership. This is where the world can't get it. This is where the world can't understand. Listen, if you trust God and you love God and you submit to God and you follow the leading of God by following your husband's leadership, this is a supernatural thing. This is a supernatural God. We serve a supernatural God. And so what this means is he sees you. He cares for you. He hasn't left you out somewhere to fend for yourself. He provides for you if provision is what you need. He protects you if protection is what you need. He encourages you if your heart is broken. And he blesses obedience. He is honored in your trust. And so listen to me tonight, sister. This is where blessing is found. This is where worship takes place. This is where Christ is upheld. This is where Christ is uplifted. And praise the Lord, Jesus stands at the center of it all. He's not punishing you. He hadn't forgot about you. He blesses you in an act of worship as you submit to him and follow the leadership of your husband. Praise the Lord. God loves us enough to instruct us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and I thank you for your truth. And your truth is good. And your truth is kind. Your, your truth is beautiful. Forgive us when we pervert it. Forgive us when we twist it. Forgive us where we mess it up in pride. And so, Lord, we come and I pray for, for husbands here, potential husbands in the future, people that will train husbands. I pray for wives here, potential wives in the future, people that would train future wives. I pray, Lord, that we've taken your word as truth. And I pray, Lord, that we don't fight against it and go to some expert in a sorry, messed up world. We turn to the word of God, and I pray that in it we find blessing. And in it we find grace. I know that we will. And most of all, I pray that in it, Christ is known in the home, and Christ is known outside of that home. I thank you for that, Lord. I praise you for that. Lord, we come, and then as we read through this, we know we've messed up. 
And we, 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 we've known the right thing, done the wrong thing. We've messed up sometimes with poor information. But Lord, you, you forgive us and you restore us and you renew it. And I thank you for that as well. And Lord, I pray that some of us that made a big mess of things that we stand with no shame. We trust it to you. We repent. We turn and walk off forgiven because of your grace. But Lord, I pray that we, we walk off holding the truth, the truth that still holds true. Lord, I pray that the fruit of this will be homes founded on the truth, homes restored in the truth, homes led by the truth. And then I pray the fruit of that, Lord, will be a turning to Jesus as the Savior, the Christ of the home. Lord, I'm thankful for this opportunity, thankful for this word. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to end tonight with a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, even in marriage, listen, the point of all that's seeing Christ, seeing our Savior, Jesus. And I want to tell you the good news of all of this, any sin, is that we have forgiveness in our Savior, Jesus. He loves us. He makes a way in the cross of Calvary. He pays for sin in his own blood, his own death. He stands as the victor with the receipt in his hand. And Lord, we come tonight, and I, I pray as we sit here, as we listen, that as we hear about marriage, that our eyes have picked up to Christ. And I, I, I pray and I hope for somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, somebody listening in a different way, as we hear this subject, that what a night that they would turn and they would accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe that's speaking to you. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you haven't submitted to what God has said in his word about some area in your life. Maybe it's marriage, maybe it's some other area. I want to tell you the good news is the Bible says this, if we'll turn, God will forgive. If we'll turn, he'll repair. And his truth still stands and we can walk in his blessing. Maybe that's your message tonight. Maybe you're looking for a church home. Maybe you've prayed about it and believe God has led you here. Maybe you need to follow believers' baptism as a testimony of what we believe of our Savior. We're going to stand and sing in just a second. I want to encourage you to pray for those that are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on, and I'll meet you here. As we stand and sing, you come on, I'll meet you here.